Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And I'm the pretty one. (laughs) (laughs) And today we are joined by... We have two special guests. Introduce yourselves. Rachel, go first. <laughs> <laughs> I was—I just had to make an executive decision, and your name was the first one I was the first one I saw. So. Uh, hi, I am—I'm uh, Rachel Verona Cody. Um, what else would you like me to say about myself right now? That's it. That's, that's, that's For okay. now, that's good. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> well, my, my my name is Devin Maloney. Um, yeah, and yeah, we all became good. well. Devin and I became friends literally over Buffy on Twitter. <laughs> I, I made a lot of really good friends uh, over that several month period. So <laughs> I remember feeling like a crazy person because like anytime you tweeted about it, I'd be like, oh my god, I have things to say because this is my favorite show and like always replying. <laughs> well, that was great about that, that is that so like fun. That was why it was, what was our hashtag? It was like Buffy verse group therapy or something. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's funny because it's like now that I've done it, I now do that with other people. So it's just like, <laughs> like bringing people into the cult and then, and then giving it back. Yes. <laughs> Paying it forward as it were. So as we do with all our first time guests, we have them tell us their Buffy origin story. Um, and Rachel, you can go first. Okay. Um, so let's see. Um, so I started watching Buffy, I guess pretty much, uh, when, well, when it was on the air. So I didn't, it I didn't watch the pilot Mm -hmm. the night that it premiered, uh, but I think I was about 12 and it had maybe been out for a season ish um so uh, and my best friend at the time was really into it she was like really into the wb uh tuesday night sort of block and uh but especially buffy and so she turned me onto it and i loved it immediately um i at the time i was only allowed to watch a half an hour of tv a day um but i actually bargained with my father um because I so desperately wanted to watch Buffy and it was an hour. And so that was, you know, that was a problem. Uh, so I gave up the rest of my TV for uh, the whole, for the rest of the week so that I could watch Buffy. Oh my God, I love night. that. Yeah. Oh my God, so, this is intense. Yeah, I, that is how much I loved this show. So I, so then I watched it pretty much, pretty religiously. I mean, that, that, that was my show. Um, and then I, gosh, like somewhere in um, high school, it was like I, I fell off the mm. Buffy wagon somehow, um, and then and missed the last few seasons. But it was it was kind of ridiculous because I was always still always thinking about Buffy. I was always like comparing it to things and like you know, um, <laughs> you know, I the references were always um, they were just they were always sort of right there, uh, you know, in my, at the front of my brain. So finally, um, in my early twenties, uh, I just binged the, the rest of it. Actually, I binged, I binged from the beginning because I wanted to relive 
all of the the old stuff, which I think is why the first season is easier for me to digest because when I watched it the first time, it was the 90s. Yeah, that's uh, And so, and I was, you know, I was a super earnest, uh, you know, tortured 12-year-old, so <laughs> fine with me that, you know. Um, and... Um, and then when I watched it again, it was like, oh, nostalgia. <laughs> like, so, uh, so it was like, I guess, quaint. Uh, but yeah, then I, uh, then I, you know, binged the rest of it probably in like a couple weeks in a, in a really embarrassing short amount of time. And um, and yeah, I mean, it, that's and and uh, I guess the rest is is history, uh, <laughs> as they say. Yeah, I I would talk about this show anytime, all the time, uh, and I have like have incredible fondness for it, and uh, really, um, really intense, uh, probably like, kind of weird emotional connections, like emotional <laughs> triggers, um, like uh, the season finale of. Uh, of season five um like i can't even listen to the music <laughs> without <laughs> sobbing so yeah i mean it, it it gets it gets real intense oh my god rachel this is why we've been twitter friends for so long because <laughs> yeah. fucking same <laughs> <laughs> yeah well Devin, what about you um obviously i was uh if 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 we be- we became friends because of my adventures uh, <laughs> with this show last year, um, I was very vehemently not into Buffy for a really really long time. Um, there are dev- there are definitely shows that I avoided for years, uh, and and some some of them I still like to this day avoid. Like I can't I cannot commit myself to Doctor Who. Um, you know, some people keep telling me to like watch Stargate and I'm like, I can't, don't think I could do this. That's a show that people are always like, Ian, you haven't watched Stargate. It's just, it's like, it's almost too fringe for me, you know, like, (laughs) I mean, uh, granted, you know, I, I, I have caught up on a lot of them. Like I, I watched, uh, Battlestar Galactica actually, I think right before I started Buffy again, um, successfully, but yeah, so I, I mean, for a really long time, a lot of the shows that. You know, I grew up watching Star Trek. Um, uh, like we were, I my best friend uh, growing up. She uh, she and her her family. My mom was a huge star, uh, sci-fi and fantasy person. Um, my best friend and her family were big sci-fi people. I went to a convention when I was like thirteen, a uh, Star Trek convention. Oh my god! I love um, that. So it's definitely like a big nerd. Um, but like I I for some reason drew these arbitrary lines. So I just like never got into it. I tried a few times. I was subjected to the musical episode multiple times, uh, which kind of, I mean, like out of context, just kind of does serve it as its own deterrent, I think. Um, But, you know, like enough cool people in my life, people whose opinions I really vibe with generally, like would keep talking about it. And I guess it was like the end of the summer last summer, which was like already kind of rough for me and like as a freelance I'm a freelance writer so free uh, the end of the summer is like especially bad because nobody everybody goes on vacation um if they're in staff jobs and so nobody answers their email and so you get a lot less work um and I think it was like at the beginning or the end of July maybe the beginning of August um I just sat down and I started just tweeting to like 
whatever followers I had at the time. Um, being like, all right, maybe I'll try this for the 1500th time. Um, and <laughs> I think part, I think honestly, if I'm, if I'm honest with myself, part of the reason that I continued was because people liked me tweeting about it so much. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I definitely, somebody definitely like, you know, told me at that point to start with the second season or to watch like the first couple episodes and then skip all the way to season two and then go back and watch the rest of season one, Okay, that's which fair. I did. And it totally worked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, when I started, it was in season three that when it was on the air. So I didn't actually see season one until like the DVD set came out. Um, <laughs> Back in the day when you couldn't just turn yeah. it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. We always say how weird that is with this show. Like how the show like is still a show people talk about a lot, but like it was on the air when it was like, oh, you missed an episode. And like, well, fuck off. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was the worst. I cannot imagine going back to the, that with this show. Like it, right? and it, I remember how painful it was for me. Uh, like I commercials were such where they were just such agony. Cause I'm like, no, you were taking yeah. away <laughs> precious <laughs> minutes of the show. <laughs> I don't even get to look at the TV again <laughs> until next Tuesday. <laughs> God, that's so rough, Rachel. I cannot imagine. I mean, definitely I had I had TV limits too as a kid, but like a half hour, that is like, yeah. that is like brutal. That's like one, like one episode of cartoon. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's, that's why, that's why I had to bargain. And I, and you know, and I real, I knew I was getting like the raw end of the deal, but I was okay because. <laughs> I got to watch Buffy. I, Buffy is definitely worth it in retrospect. <laughs> Rachel, I love that. I love that you sacrificed all of your TV just for Buffy. <laughs> there is no TV anymore. There is only the Buffs. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess, I mean, to be, to be fair, uh, because I didn't watch a lot of TV, I didn't have as much of a sense of like what was like you didn't out care as there. Much. Yeah. So, it, you know, it wasn't, it probably, it wasn't like, it wasn't that significant of uh, a sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, I did. I, I, you know, I had all my friends were watching Dawson's Creek and Charmed and stuff like that, too. And I wanted to to watch those as well. But, um, you know, what? But it, it was very it was very rare that um, that I ever watched anything that was current that really resonated Mm. With me, I was uh, I was always kind of the the nerd who, like, before Buffy, like all of my references came from like Anne of Green Gables and. You know, <laughs> 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 so on brand, Rachel. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, I yeah, I. Uh, that is so endearing too. Uh, like Anne of Green Gables and then Buffy. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think yeah, I think all. All of a sudden, uh, yeah, here was this show uh, that for, you know, all variety of reasons, just, uh, I mean, in some ways, I mean, it didn't really make sense. I'm not, I'm actually, I, un, unlike Devin, like, I I don't have a background in um, in science fiction or, or any, anything like that. I know very little about um about the genre. In fact, a lot of my interest in Buffy it kind of is connected to the Victorian literature because vampires were, you know, Thoughts and Dracula yeah. was written. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, and the very amazing lesbian uh, vampire novella, Carmilla. Uh, so I've never oh, even man, heard of that. Read that. I've never oh, even I heard of that. Heard yeah, of it. she's like the first vamp. Isn't she like one of the first? Yeah. Like references to vampires in general in literature, and she's also like a lesbian. She is, yeah. And um, oh, and wow. now there's a web series that's actually done pretty well. And I watched it for a while, but then I kind of I don't know. I it was good. Um, it was. Um, I appreciate how fair you're being. (laughs) uh, It was was a little cheesy, but they, you know, I think it's great, though, that they, I mean, they have this huge following, and I think it is really wonderful. Like, I mean, I mean, Carmilla, you could read that in, like, two hours. Oh, okay. Or, it's, yeah, I absolutely suggest reading it. Um, It's really fun and and wacky, and um, all of the crazy, like, Victorian, like, hysteria, you know, pathology stuff is in there, too. Like, yeah, but... That's that's not the point of this. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's interesting to, to hear you say that stuff because it's like you're coming fr- coming to the exact same place from a completely different yeah. side of things in that, like, you can come from, like, th- there were these two different worlds that you could come from and enjoy Buffy. It's like half right. of it is, like, the super nerd-like sci-fi stuff yeah. um, and, like, the fandom world. And then you're coming from this, like, the more, like, romantic... Uh, Victorian side of things, which is like how something like like Twilight got so um, unbelievably popular, or like yeah. you know Anne Rice's books, because they had those two those two like often separate fan bases in one. Right. Uh, yeah. Our, awesome. We had a guest on season two who is also like my best friend since eighth grade, um, and she's like getting her PhD in literature right now, and like. She always has like a weird defense of Twilight because she's like, no, I know it's bad, but like it <laughs> reminds me of like Pride and Prejudice and like novels like that. Like she yes. was like, it's clearly influenced by that. So she always defends that aspect of it. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's horribly written. Yeah, but I totally understand that. Uh, having read all of them, yeah. <laughs> well, I think. Well, I mean, I think Buffy has that aspect too, right? Where like, I, and I've said this before. Um, so I'm a big fan of watching all the featurettes on the dvds and one of them is about the weapons on buffy and they've talked about how they've you know they've made a very distinct choice like not to have buffy use guns and like they give her like crossbows and all these things that are really old tactile weapons timey yeah timey um so it's like it's an aesthetic that even though like you have willow the computer geek who's like looking up demons on internet (laughs) 1.0 who's like have you Googled her? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's so and great. Like, I love that 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 interaction between the two. It's time, there's times when they find answers about demons on the internet in like 20 seconds, and I'm like, Did <laughs> get to the page by then? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, the feel of it is definitely something that's supposed to appeal to like. I mean, it's like it's it's like of the time of Angel, like Dublin, 1830. Yeah. Everyone has a disease. Old, right. old England, Dublin, Ireland stuff. You know, and it's it's, and, uh, it's funny because me and Matthew, both of us have like the same Buffy origin. Is that our moms got us into it? Oh, I watched. I watched it with my mom. Oh, I love it. This <laughs> needs to be something about like, like, just like moms. I don't know why mo- so many moms felt the need to show their child Buffy. <laughs> I mean, my mom, fresh, my mom, my mom's angel. <laughs> oh shit! Because <laughs> like, like, my first memory is watching my mother cry as M- Buffy 
shoves a sword through Angel in Becoming Part 2. Like, that's my first memory of the show. Oh my god. And me yeah. being like, Mom, you're being ridiculous. And her being like, no, she had to kill Angel and just, like, sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was so, it was, I mean, like, that to me feels like like Thomas Hardy. Like, all, <laughs> I mean, that episode, it's like everything just goes wrong at the last, you know, at the last <laughs> moment, you know, it could have turned well I guess well, I don't know it could have turned out differently right. if things had just gone a little bit better but then I yeah, mean it's, it's like, okay it's, you know but Z- you know Xander kind of he, yeah. he, he kind of he's kind of screwed yeah screwed as, he, as he does <laughs> as he does so today we're so, here to talk yeah. about Doppelgangland which is one of my favorite Buffy episodes of all time yeah. yay um, Matthew, would you like to begin? Do I? I mean, no. You, you <laughs> can start. I don't know. Anyway, one of your so, yeah. Okay, so. Doppelgangland star- starts, and um, we basically, it's Anya begging Dehofren to get her powers back because she lost them in the wish. And I, and, sorry, now I told you to start, and now I'm already interrupting you. Um, go ahead. I love that opening. For me, mm-hmm. Anya isn't, like, really a character in The Wish at all. She's just kind of, like, the plot device bad guy. Right. Um, but in this episode, we start to get Anya as a character, and I love that whole opening is so very Buffy, and it automatically likes, it automatically makes you like Anya more than you cared about her in The Wish. Like, in The Wish, you didn't care. She was just the villain of the Weird week. Demon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, like, her, like, oh, do you know how, like, terrible it is being a teenager? And I'm flunking math, like... <laughs> I feel like they could have even gone harder with that dialogue had we, like, known exactly who Anya would become yes. in the series. Like, they... Re- I mean, she really could have gone in on how sucky it is to be a teenager and <laughs> be 1120 years old, you know? <laughs> that's when a- she tries to order a beer, that... Uh, I mean, uh, that's, that's such a, like... I mean... There are 11 billion scenes uh, <laughs> like that, but that one is particularly charming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, so it's interesting. I feel like this, like, it's interesting that you brought that up, that, like, um, no, knowing what we know about Anya, which is, I think it makes it really hard to watch this episode and critique it fairly because we know so much about <laughs> what Anya becomes. Because yeah. to me, I feel like this scene or this entire episode in a way is kind of like I was saying to Ian before, it's like um, just like season one of Will and Grace where before, before Karen has like a high voice and is like a char- is like becomes that character, just like with a lot of shows, like season one, the characters may not be themselves yet. Yeah. This is obviously Anya's first season. And so I feel like, they haven't leaned into like her quirkiness yet and she's just like a regular person because right. you're right like i i can imagine writing dialogue knowing who anya becomes in season 6 and 7 and how much more stylistic stylized it could be in that scene so i don't want to it's almost like two things right it's like you want to critique based on the anya you know but that's also unfair you have to like critique based on the scene that you have and it is right. like really good like Wienesque dialogue yeah right and she's like, like yeah she's very it's very like a simple like the concept is very simple that like she I mean she doesn't really the only thing that she has to do with the, with the episode is that she's the reason 
that this whole thing happens, right? Mm -hmm. Like her like insistence upon getting her amulet back is like the reason that this whole thing happens. It has not, it doesn't really have anything to do with her in the end, but like, she's like this plot device at this point. And then at the end she becomes, I just, I think like Anya is one of my, actually, I would say she is my favorite character uh, just in terms of like how uh, complex she gets and like the, the things that she ends up standing for and representing, um, yeah, yeah. I, I love her, and I I think, I mean, I say this, I think I say this every episode, I think Buffy is a sum <laughs> of all its parts, um, oh, yeah. and I think Emma Caulfield has, like, such good comic timing. Oh, yes. Like, I think she's just so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that she, I mean, like, I, I, I'm sure that plenty of other people have said this, and con- considering we're, you're only in season three uh, with this podcast, I'm sure plenty of people will talk about it again, but, like... <laughs> her Anya becomes this like weirdly like just a a very personally familiar person not like in in terms of like oh I feel like I know these characters because you do by the end of seven years with them but like she is like specific people in my life in terms of like her um uh, she, she's almost like she has she's like on the, the the spectrum in terms of like how she desperately tries to relate to the rest of the characters and how they're just like there's always going to be like this barrier or like this challenge that she will have in terms of like being being one of the gang um and it just makes her so fucking compelling (laughs) am i am i I allowed to yeah yes (laughs) (laughs) okay i yeah i i think that's true i i also i think what's so interesting about anya and what they do so well with her is i mean she is somebody who is learning how to be human what like 1100 years yeah after you know like she's been alive for 1100 years and now she has to learn how to be human and it's you know obviously we have no conception of what that would feel like <laughs> right. uh, because we are be exhausting, I'm sure. I was, I, was, I was, I mean, I was actually kind of thinking about this watching The Good Place, um, the yes. other, and how they oh were God, like it's so similar. Yeah. yeah, because you know there there's this attempt to teach one of the characters um, ethics, but in order to teach human ethics, he needs to understand how to be human, uh, or how it would feel to be human. How to uh, feel, how to feel um, mortal, like not not be living forever, right? And so, yeah, I think Anya, you know, every time, because I, I love her as a character, but she, but she would frustrate me because I'm just, I'm a very easily frustrated person and I want, and I always, I'm, I'm, I'm too type A. I always want people to behave precisely the way that I think they should behave even when their character's on a television screen. And so, you know, (laughs) I have all of these like expectations, but, you know, but I, I would always come back to this thought of well, well, yeah, you know, this imagine imagine trying to contend with this huge uh, this notion of mortality after having been this all powerful vengeance demon, which I have to tell you, like during this ter- current administration, feels really. <laughs> Analyzing. Um, oh, I know, love it. it's learning how to be mortal would be a a really 
bizarre, almost absurd, and like scary things. So yeah, why not? Buffy, uh, like bunnies are scary. You know, <laughs> like you know what the reference point is, what she saw, and you know, in the last, you know, millennia, or <laughs> that uh, that brings her to this place. But then, but then, yeah, like. Uh, to what Devin was saying, like, you know, seeing her try, you know, try to love and try to empathize and, um, and, and struggle. Um, it is, it, there's, there's a, there's a gap there, but at the same time, it is, it is something, um, even somehow that gap, uh, allow, gives us room to sort of understand and, right, uh, right. uh, and, and, uh, see where the f- the familiarity is yeah. in that experience yeah well well like you were saying anya is a kind of gateway into the rest of the episode like she kind of sets up that that whole thing is really about her getting her necklace back and i also think that like if we had had a full-fledged like season six or seven anya like her um her desire for this necklace would also be a little different. I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. like right now we just think of it as like, she wants her powers back, but you know, we, we come to see the Anya that you're all talking about of her being, mm-hmm. you know, learning humanity and everything. Um, but after that we go to um, uh, basically, I mean, cause the episode is more or less about Willow and yeah. Willow. Um, she has to tutor Percy um, well, Principal Snyder makes her tutor Percy, and then they kind Wait, of... I forgot his name was Percy. Percy? <laughs> what a name. Like, that, yeah. really, that really sets up your character for not good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but he lives. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but like, you know he's not going to be the greatest person. If, uh-huh. if a character is named Percy, I feel like, you know, in Harry Potter, you like knew he wasn't going to be the best yeah. Weasley, obviously. Oh, yeah. His totally. name is Percy. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, that's, no, I mean, just wanted to get in what was happening. I don't know. <laughs> Please talk about the name Percy. <laughs> Um, Percy's a douche, uh, and he's slacking off. He's like every slack off jock that you knew in high school. Yes, right. And uh, he's, she's being Will is being forced to do his homework uh, in not so many words. And it's so, the era of the terrible fuzzy Willow sweaters. There are at least two in this episode, including um, no, they are thing. iconic. Yeah, I know. I have correct. <laughs> <laughs> you in, wear it. You go wear that sweater, okay? I would wear it. In my Matthew would. In my in my notes literally for this episode, it says just in all caps in the middle of things. Also Willow sweater is iconic. Like for me <laughs> this Mine is just says the sweater in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I think like I mean it is atrocious, but it's like for me one of the most iconic Willow outfits. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. You, Without doubt. Right? Like that's a that's like I mean, maybe not, like, if you think of later season Willow, she would never wear that, but, like, when you're thinking of Willow, I feel like that would be the sweater you think of. (laughs) Right, and it's, like, because it's, like, so, um, I mean, props to the costume designer who saw, must have seen this, and was, like, so the the sweater itself is, like, this pink chenille thing. Yeah. And it, like, it just, you know, you can tell, I feel like the, the sweater itself didn't have those patches on it beforehand, but this costume designer saw it and was, like, I know what that means. <laughs> it's like have had these like little tiny happy face 
patches that they just like attached <laughs> and gave it to uh, Alison Hannigan, and she was just like, uh, "Okay." So <laughs> I think it's just like, so I like her. Oh yeah, like you know that like Willow, if Willow had seen that and like, um, like Macy's, she would have been like, "Oh, it's so happy! It's like, <laughs> it's so <laughs> like it's like so animated, and sweet." And I think it really works well in the scene where like she's pouting, she's upset, and she just has this like bright beacon sweater that's like. Yes. <laughs> precious and adorable and it makes her seem so childlike and then she's like I'm gonna eat this banana I don't care that it's not yeah. one <laughs> she does this the, the pouting face and like oh. the back and forth with her and uh and Xander about like that that's old faithful that's old yeller yeah. like oh <laughs> and then later goes like oh that's me a reliable dog geyser person <laughs> it's just like, it's I I will never I will never forgive Buffy for calling her old reliable that's <laughs> Like every time I, because I watch, I watch, I watch the episode, you know, to do my homework, um, <laughs> and it just makes me mad every time. I'm like, okay, Buffy, like you are already your queen bee. You're the slayer. You've got the bouncy blonde hair. Do you need to desexualize your friend any more? Yeah. Like, shut up. <laughs> don't call her. Like, don't like geyser her which is actually funny yeah. because I feel like that's like it's almost out of character for Buffy to say something like that what? about Willow yes. like I mean I, I get I understand like from a writer's perspective like you want to have a Willow episode and you need her to deal with like being the geek and the academic and like the one who has her shit together because I mean at the end of the day like Willow kind of has her shit together and the other two don't and so as an adult watching it I'm like Willow's the shit. Like having your shit yeah. together is a good thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, and but like it's also just not like Buffy's character. I feel to even make that kind of quip to her. And I know it's not a quip. I know it's supposed to be like a supportive comment, like saying like you're yeah, better. See, I knew but, like, she it, would have what we asked for. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also you're right. Like it is. It does sound like an old yeller type thing, like a name <laughs> for like a dog that will like tell you when the well is when someone's down the well or like when <laughs> Bring back the bone. On fire. <laughs> yeah it's funny it's like you know you think about uh i've totally forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> um but yeah no yeah willow would be like willow like having your shit together like i'm like i wish i like it's like when i look at you matthew and i'm like wow matthew has his shit together i wish i could do that <laughs> If and you I'm called like, me old reliable, I would block you on Twitter. I was gonna say, and I would never call you old reliable. I would literally block you. <laughs> like, at the end of the episode, she she like she, because I think that especially if you're watching this as an adult, as I did, like at the end of the episode when when uh, you know Willow has learned a lesson from everything that's gone on, she goes, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna." I think I'm just gonna go home and do my homework and floss my teeth, and like yeah. that just sounds as an adult amazing. Like yeah. really, truly, I was like, oh yeah, I just want to go to bed and like, have my whole little routine and just get things done, and it'll be great. And it's just like such a mature, obviously less exciting thing, but it's so relatable as as we've gotten older. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for me, it'd be more like. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go home and like watch TV and maybe write a little bit and like maybe have a drink or something. But yes, I, uh, <laughs> but you know the well, home life. Like yeah. she's such a homebody, 
Um, and I think, have you talked about how dope her mom is? <laughs> <laughs> how much uh, everybody should want to be adopted by Willa's mom, even though she's kind of absent. But, but her uh, mom ignores her, though. Yeah, and her mom tries to burn her at the stake. Her mom's terrible. <laughs> oh, man, okay. In in Willow's mom's defense, she was possessed. She couldn't <laughs> help it. Uh, and I think that that, I mean, honestly, I think that that was, like, not really uh, fair of them to, to make this, like, I guess, it, I don't know if it's necessarily believable or not that somebody who is so, like, evolved politically and, and academically would be so negligent of her of her daughter. But, like... Man, she's such a cool lady. <laughs> well, I feel like I've read so many books. <laughs> now I sound like an asshole. I've read so many. <laughs> I've read so many books where it's like, oh, the parent is a therapist or a psychiatrist, and that parent is like so absent. Yeah. Like I feel like sure. I. Of course, now I can't think of one fucking thing. But like, I feel like that's like kind of like a trope where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they're like they sure. very knowledgeable, very smart. But then they like yeah, yeah very erudite, but they don't have any sort of emotional yeah. intelligence. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, pretty early in the episode, we I think so. The overall, this episode is I mean, like with Willow being called old reliable, it really bothers her, and the idea being that like this episode is kind of like a focus on Willow and where with the role she plays in the group, similar to the episode a few a few episodes ago with Xander and the Zeppo and him kind of discovering like who he is in the group. Right. And so it's interesting because so many people in this episode discover like what Willow means to them or, or, or also like look for ways to use her because the, like we have this weird plot where the mayor wants to kill Willow. And I guess he understands (laughs) how essential she is to the group. I don't know if that's like something faith told her. Faith was like, if faith told the mayor like, Oh, listen, Willow's the only smart one. Yeah, um, wait, 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 wait. Uh, can we pause for a second? Where did that come from? Like, why is the mayor specifically seeking her out? Did did Faith say something? Yes, like on screen. In okay. the very in the very beginning, which is really weird because most episodes Faith doesn't get like a bit part. Like me and Matthew yeah. have discussed this lots of times through season three. They'll like mention Faith, or she's just not in the episode. Um, but in this, she's in the very beginning she sits down next to Willow because they're doing, like, some... They don't really tell you... It's just, like, a Slayer endurance test. Um, and her... Faith and Wesley come into the library while Willow is on the computer trying to hack the mayor's something. And right. Faith okay. asks Willow... She's so like, she was, like, doing? an active threat. Yeah. And Faith is like, oh, what are you doing? And, and Willow tells her what she's doing. And then they cut to the scene of Faith telling the mayor because this is where... <laughs> because I use this gif on Matthew sometimes um, where she's showing him the new apartment and they're talking about Willow like it's like they've already talked about Willow and he's like she's like thanks sugar daddy and he that's when he does like the dad thing and he's like you know I don't like that kind of talk let's kill your friends <laughs> and he's yeah. like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah the mayor like is one of those like I didn't I didn't think I liked the mayor, but like now listening to like the the dialogue he gets or like the the weird twisted like view of the world he has, it is pretty funny. Like yeah. <laughs> the fact that he is like, you know, quashing this one creepy thing he could be doing with another creepy thing, and it's probably not better. Well, and also, I mean, like this is this is tangential, but I think I mean the the impact that he has on faith, I think, is really fascinating. I mean, he's evil incarnate he's also the only father figure yeah. he's ever had he's the only person that's ever 
made faith kind to her, given her yeah. things. Yeah, actually, yeah, been interested in her well-being. Um, so it, um, and then I think Eliza Dushku does an amazing job, sort of. Um, and I think she does. It's probably more an angel where you see a lot of that, um, uh, a lot of that conflict come out. But regardless, um, I think it's really some really wonderful dramatic acting uh, showing how that could just really um, just uh, shatter you um, yeah. emotionally trying to come to terms. I think that that like that made her really like one of my personal favorites, especially the first time around was like watching her like maybe it's not all explicitly there, but like you you can see how like faith gets from A to B to C to D in like a very humanized way, even though sure. D is like horrific. Yeah, um, D is like murdering a bunch of people um, <laughs> and like and like in enabling the murder of a bunch of other people. Um, but like you can see how she gets there and how she like initially brings herself to the mayor as like a sex toy. He's like, thanks daddy. Cause he gives her an apartment yeah. and he's like, actually, no, I want to be your father figure. And she's not like, she's kind of thrown off by that. Yeah. Cause she's like, yeah. you don't want to use me. Yeah. Well, she's used to I do, but not like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so you can see how she's there. She's very like complicated. So I love the scene. It's, it's very Xander. Um, when, you know, it's gonna be bad when I start with that. Um, <laughs> when Xander, like, goes in to defend Vampire Willow, when she clearly is choking Percy at the bronze. <laughs> and he's like, I, God, I love that so much. Get off of her! And then he's just like, okay, sure. And, like, Percy runs away because Percy is scared of her because she... Chicken shit. Yeah, like, she just, he was like, oh, she can kick the shit out of me. Um, and it's very Xander, but also, like... I appreciate the silliness, but like they like him and Willow, him and Buffy are like really upset because they're like, oh my god, Willow got turned into a vampire. And Basically, like Willow's dead. Yeah, like yeah. oh, our best friend's friend's friend is friend is an evil, and like I appreciate that. And then the scene in the library where they're like sitting with Giles and they're like really mm -hmm. upset, um, mm -hmm. and then she comes in and like for me, this is such a good like. Buffy moment when Willow's like God who got guys who died and then they all look at her and she goes oh God who died I'm, yeah. <laughs> it is a classic <laughs> all tenderness <laughs> yeah like because also on that show people do die all the time some murder has happened uh, yeah and like well, that's not crazy that Willow would be like oh my God someone did die like yeah yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> Well, I think that I'm scene sorry. is also really um, telling because, and I want to jump back to another scene that we skipped over, but I, I think that scene is really good because, like, in a lot of ways when we talk about people like Willow who are, I guess, underappreciated, like, they they don't get told that, like, how much they mean to them, and then when you see them post willow like they're all just really like how are we gonna do this like willow is the good one like even giles says like she was the best among us and he's including himself and that's and something true. that like, you don't expect <laughs> giles to say i guess but like yeah. i mean you have someone who has superhuman strength and then he's been studying demons for decades like and that's his profession and he literally right. says like she was the best among us and it was it's like such a tender moment too because i don't think we talk so much on the on the program about 
um, Giles and Buffy's relationship, but we actually don't see up to this point. We haven't seen Giles be com- be like totally tender to Willow. I mm-hmm. think maybe he thinks of her as like a mentee because she's so into magic and she is very smart. Yeah, but right. you never get the like sense that he she's has a some child kind of... in my care, basically. Yeah. yeah, and you really get that mm-hmm. from him there, where he actually like. Once she's gone, he can admit, like, she was the finest one of the group, well, which I, I think is right. really nice. I think Willow's the only one that, aside from Buffy, who doesn't annoy him. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Xander is an idiot, and Xander annoys him, but he tells him. He's like, him. yes, yes, he was better yeah. than you, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, you know, he's... Very much so. <laughs> Giles hates dealing with Cordelia, you know, like... He doesn't like Wesley, understandably. Like, there's, like, he only <laughs> likes Buffy and Willow, and I feel like he cares about the rest of them because they're part of the group. Right. Because, well, they, ca- because they matter to the other two, yes. and it's just, like, it's, like, by osmosis. Kind of the way we all care about Xander. It's, like, we care about him because we don't want him to die <laughs> because Buffy and Willow would be really upset. <laughs> oh, man, I've heard so many people... You, the Zeppo already happened, right? Yes, the, yeah. Okay, the Zeppo sucks, um, but only because I hate Xander. Like somebody has, has had this argument with me, actually my best friend who tried to get me into Buffy for a long time, you know, how it, it's such a great, um, <clears throat> example or such a great like trope to turn this whole story, this epic story that's all about Buffy and this like <clears throat> heroic trope or this heroic journey and turn it on its head and, and see it from the perspective of the person who has no powers. And like, Frankly, you know, the fact that Willow is a witch, I think speaks to her intelligence, period. Like, oh, yeah, she's imbued with a bunch of, like, dark power. Ooh. But, like, really, she would not have even gone there had she not been just, like, a a supremely intelligent person. So, like, maybe it's just because I was a super nerd growing up. But, like, this episode felt a lot more in that lane than the Zeppo ever did in the sense that, like, it really did bring it. It was, like, so much more about, like, what would happen if Willow wasn't there? Willow, who was just good, like she was just good, and she was so far ahead of everybody else, and uh, and she really, you know, she just wanted to do right by everybody. And the fact that, like, the second she's gone, it's like everything kind of falls apart. Also, can we just like take a moment to just appreciate? I mean, I think it's foreshadowing. I hope it is because I, I mean, I think it's just so, um, it's so brilliant. Uh, just with uh, the foreshadowing to to Dark Willow and yes. to Willow in the later seasons. I mean, I think one of uh, one of the things that I was noticing when I was watching uh, just uh, a couple hours ago. Uh, so Willow, her Dark Willow's uh, sort of catchphrase, or not catchphrase but her go-to phrase is bored now yeah yeah, and, yeah. which is which is so great and and what i thought was really fascinating is that she says it for the first time as vampire as the vampire iteration of herself like minutes after she says to oz in the hallway you think i'm boring and i and i thought it was actually really Oh, I didn't even, I didn't even realize that, but you're right, yeah. It was just a really, it it was just a very, it's a small thing, but I thought, uh, it inverts it really well. It it inverts it, and it's, and it it kind of signals a little bit of a shift in the power dynamic, um, that, you know, maybe 
Willow gets to keep with her a little bit. I mean, it, it instead of being the object of people's boredom or, you know, so she believes she, you know, she, she's, she's the one who's bored. And obviously that's, uh, you know, that's a very sort of specific instance, but I think it's, um, but vampire willow is such an agent. I mean, like right. she attacks people. She bites. You know, she bites people. She uh, seduces people. Uh, even the human iteration of herself. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. That's uh, a whole thing. <laughs> and um, and so I I like, but I, so I like that human willow meets her. I like. Uh, I, I do feel like. Um, there is, uh, you know, on some emotional register, I don't know how conscious it is, but um, Willow sort of takes into herself uh, the the knowledge that, you know, she can be more agential and, um, and that she can push back uh, against uh, this sort of the narrative that, you know, her friends... Right. right for her, and even if they, if you, even if they're if they're not really thinking about it, even if they don't really mean to. Also, I really love when uh, Willow mentions, "Oh, I think I'm kind of gay," and, then, <laughs> and also kind of gay. <laughs> and Buffy's like, "Oh, well, you know, that's your vampire self. So you know, and you know, that's not you know, vampire self isn't the same as you." And then Angel's like, "Actually,", Actually. <laughs> Buffy gives him this look, and he shuts up, and you're just like. Oh, Well, it's like, it's like, this is the alternate, literally the alternate universe Willow. It's literally Willow, if she had been acted upon or she had had different circumstances in her life, right? And it's like, this is, this is what Willow would be like if she was not afraid of any consequences whatsoever. If she was completely confident in her ability to to defend herself, to, to survive in the world by herself and to, to do what she wanted, to ride people like, ponies. like ponies. <laughs> well that's so, so that's what's interesting right is that like so the zeppo episode is like i said xander's episode to like learn about himself and i guess he does that um you know through his encounter with faith and then his encounters with like those dead guys and everything but this one is very much like willow looking at a version herself that isn't like in a way willow in this episode it feels very like like, you know, she doesn't want to be, she doesn't want to resign herself to be the person that she is currently, or she feels very fatalistic about, like, who she is. Like, it's like, oh, this is just me. I'm old, reliable. I'm this. And she actually learns from Vampire Willow, I guess, that she has these, like, innate characteristics that are appealing to her. I mean, if we think about, like, the characteristics that Vampire Willow has, when I think you, you use the word agent, which I think is really great, because not only that, she's a leader. I mean, she... Yeah. It, and she's not the sidekick. And we've... T- um, uh, Ian and I have talked about this many times, but as the series progresses, I always feel like it's a... Like, the series becomes a story about Willow. Like, Willow dominates the entire series by the time we get to the end. And, like, it's not even a story about Buffy. And I think, like, this is one of those points where it actually, like, be- like starts to become clear that this show is just as much about Willow's journey. And she realizes that she can do things and that she doesn't have to, like, resign herself to just be a sidekick to Buffy. And I, I think that that um, attitude comes through in that little scene so we talked about the mayor coming to trying to kill Willow, and then when he when the two Goonies try to go do that, 
and they find Vampire Willow, and Vampire Willow like basically does like a, a, a mob trick on them and like breaks <laughs> yeah. their fingers and Turns is like, them. who do you? Yeah. And it's basically like, who do you work for? And like that's kind of I think the show is trying to signal to us that like Willow has it in her to be a leader. Willow has it in her to be this type of person. Obviously it's brought to like an evil degree because there's it's a demon acting that way, but she can be the opposite in like a good way. Right. It's kind of like I mean like it's it's pro- I'm I'm for the record I'm a very uh anti-angel person. Like Angel the show has been great in a lot was great in a lot of ways, but like Angel in the character in Buffy was so boring. It's so boring to me. <laughs> Angelus it's freaking rad. Like I love Angelus. I realize that he is a creep. I realize that he is abusive, whatever. But like that guy is interesting at the very, very least, right? Like he has a character. He is an agent in the same way that like Angel is not. And like, yeah. So maybe, maybe like everybody should meet their vampire self <laughs> to like discover what they could be without you know the the cons the the constraints of of this the way the world is uh, that you're perceiving it to be, you know, like that Willow does perceive herself to be a sidekick. So she is one. Yeah, I know. I think that's really interesting because especially if you, if you think about um, Willow of, of the group, she's the one who, I mean, she's, uh, I mean, I guess in academic terms, maybe you'd (laughs) almost call her a sort of like DOS, the most docile subject. Like she, uh, she understands that there are institutions and rules and, you know, and she, through her friendship with Buffy, she starts to subvert and to manipulate those things. But she's still very much um, aware of, like, how you can get in trouble or how uh, or, you know, what the consequences of your actions might be, like you were saying, Devin. And so, yeah, I think I think if there was going to be any character, at least at this point in the show, who was really going to benefit from seeing a version of herself who, like, was in no way in, impacted by any sort of institutional values or any, um, or, you know, or... Any structure that she felt she needed to val- be validated or, or by, con- yeah. Yeah, or a conscience, a moral compass, any of that... Um, like just complete raw id. Willow really was the person who needed to, she's the person who needs to see that. Um, Because she, like, uh, like you said, Matthew, like she's just, she has so far to go. And I think one of the, I mean, she of the group, she's got the most raw talent. And so um, you need those seven seasons to to sort of, to watch her, negotiate that because witchcraft i mean it's so different i mean at least you know not that i not that i would know (laughs) (laughs) in the buffy universe being a slayer right like yeah like buffy has these slayer powers that she has to you know that she has to learn and she has to um you know train debate and train but that's very i mean but witchcraft i mean that's that's like an entire lifestyle. It's a philosophy, and uh, I mean, craft that you have to be dis- you have to yeah. be disciplined in. Like you really have to have the skill to 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 master the craft of witchcraft. Yeah. Whereas right. as a, as a slayer, right. intellectual. Even if she didn't, 
Exactly. Even if she didn't remember in the beginning of this ep- this episode, actually, when you know Willow tells Buffy, she's like, "You don't really need to train this hard, do you? Right. You have this like by by nature." Yeah. She's like, well, "Yeah, I just want to get a, a a leg up on the other Slayer." Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> she's already got what she needs in a lot of ways, but like well, Willow has. But Willow's there that. trying making a pil- uh make it, making a pencil spin in midair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, it's interesting what you just said, because I've never thought about it like this before, but, like, Buffy Buffy has a calling, like, you know, to be a slayer, but it's also, like... Privilege. When, when, when it comes with a calling, I guess, the, the word, like, you can also refuse the call. Like, that's the whole point of the hero mm-hmm. journey, is that some people kind of do. And Buffy, like, there's only one slayer, so she kind of has to do it. Right. Um, but in the, sh- in the course of the show, at the end of season two, when we see that Willow's trying to do magic, and then... Um, you know, the magic kind of inhabits her and we see mm-hmm. that she's supposed to be a witch. That is actually, to me, thinking about it now, her calling. And then we actually get to see like Willow's journey of like accepting that call over time. And um, this episode, I guess, is kind of pivotal in the journey of that call to be to be a witch and to also to do good because uh, we're going to... I don't know if the episode passed or if it's going to come where... Um, Willow says that she wants to go to UC Sunnydale even though she could go to like Oxford or whatever because she yeah. wants to stay here and help people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that, that probably comes a little bit after just because she's she's gotten all of her acceptances, right? Because like Principal Snyder right, right. makes a... But yeah, oh yeah. I mean like obviously we needed Willow to stay but I was like, girl, you could have gone to Oxford. <laughs> right. Right. We, yeah. we all could have gone to Oxford with you. It would have been great. <laughs> I know. They could have just moved Buffy to England and be like, listen, <laughs> you're all going to England for a season because Willow has to go to Oxford. Teach the, entire, Hogwarts, the entire Watchers Council is there. Come on. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Like, they could have been like, oh, there's also a Hellmouth there. Sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>, sure. <laughs> Why would the Watchers all be based there if there yeah. wasn't an Hellmouth? Like, I could totally Duh. buy that. That'd be fine with me. Yeah. Um, also, so, um, I wanted to talk about Cordelia and Wesley's scene. Oh, God. Um, oh. <laughs> I love Cordelia going in there and, like, just being like, you know what? We haven't talked about this. And, like, Cordelia has right to be mad at her. Yeah. And... You know, I it's weird. I I do love that whole scene, and I like that like spineless Wesley does save her, and he does. Um, but I like that it's never addressed with the rest of the gang. No, that, that he saved her. That like, Cordelia's never like, oh wait, did you guys? You guys didn't tell me Willow died and is a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, clearly that would have happened. So out of the group at this point. Yeah, yeah you know. It was so hard to watch. It was actually, it was so hard for me to watch um, the scenes with Cordelia and Wesley um, after seeing Angel because I love their characters so much in Angel. I love who Cordelia becomes. I love who Wesley becomes. And And they're so not meant for each other. And it's also creepy. And it's always going to be creepy. And they realize it and they put a stop to it. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like, (laughs) Yeah, here I'm just like, oh my god, you guys. <laughs> well, Matthew and I discussed how in whatever I don't I don't think it's Wesley's first episode where he actually meets Cordelia, right? Matthew wasn't right, it like the right. I think it's like the second or third episode with him. Well, yeah, no, I think because 
No, yeah, I don't think it's the same episode that, like, we int- we know Wesley and Cordelia gets to know Wesley. Right, because they dress Cordelia, like, not... She's dressed very un-Cordelia-like in whatever scene it is, and he says, oh, do you teach psychology? And she's like, no, I'm in psychology. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And, like, I don't know, like, I mean, because, like, of course you can understand, like, who hasn't had a crush on a teacher or, like... I mean, he's not a teacher, but whatever the hell you would consider him a being superior. at the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a, like a, te- he's a teacher figure. Yeah. Um, but like, he's so, because he's like, the thing is that actor is clearly also young. And I think he probably right. was the same age as the. They were, they were like two, maybe two years apart. Or yeah. Because Cordelia is much older. I mean, yeah. Car- Chris Carpenter was, was older than the rest of the crew, than kind the of, of the right? Crew. Yeah. Right. So like, but I think. She- yeah, I think that's the problem is that it's like, oh, but they do look the same age. Yeah, yeah. and you it know, it's very hard to buy Cordelia as a high yes. school student <laughs> because not to say she's not like gorgeous, but she just doesn't look like a seventeen-year-old. Like, like right. I don't know. Like, she's it's not like saying I'm not trying to say she's she a looks grown-ass old. woman. Yeah, she just looks like a she like is. grown, yeah, a grown woman. Like, she no... should be. She should be. Uh, I mean, like, it's like definitely the the. Um, Beverly Hills 90210 yes. format of a high school student. Yes. yes. Whereas yeah. you could still right. you could still believe that like uh Sarah Michelle Geller and like yeah. I yeah. guess um Allison definitely could could buy Allison Hannigan yeah. as a, yeah. a student. Which is weird because Allison Hannigan yeah. and uh what's his name? Got <laughs> married. They're yeah. married. Yeah. I love that so much. I know oh, it's all- so weird. It- I also, I mean, like, I love it. I also, I mean, I'm also in love with Allison Hannigan, but, you know, I want her to be happy, so. Yeah. <laughs> I know, they always yeah. seem like such a, like, I don't know, chill, cute couple. They're just normal, yeah. I would believe. Yeah. I believe it. Although, uh, I'm still, like, super Team Oz forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I forgot how amazing his dialogue is. Like, when, um, yes, I know what you're going to say. I know exactly what you're going to say, but say it. Oh, <laughs> You think I'm boring? I call that a uh, radical interpretation. Radical yeah, of the text. Yeah, <laughs> the text. And, and then I forget he says something at the bronze suit where, uh, oh, like, like he says, I don't know. This might get pointless. Like when <laughs> when Angel's trying to debate whether to to fight off the the other yeah. vampires. I mean, he's just his. He just the delivery and just the the just the smooth. Uh, Yes, Oz is my Buffy crush too. If that's what you're getting well, at, I, I think I think the whole scene at the Bronze really, for such a like very dramatic scene, is actually really really funny. And yes. Willow gets to do a lot. So when Willow eventually dresses up as Vamp Willow to 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 finish the ruse, um, she the speech where she's giving about herself first of all is a really great moment like oh, where she's, yeah. like, she's right. weak and she's accommodating she's hearing herself talk about herself in a really mm-hmm. negative light and it's really great and then but there's also a lot of like funny parts like I love when Willow is trying to stroke that girl's hair and she gets <laughs> she <laughs> It's like literally magic. Like I just like that. Who thought of that? Like who was like, oh, she should just like not even have the strength to get through split ends or you know like, tangled hair. And then um, what else? Oh, so when she you know gives the sign and she's like, would a human be able to do this? And then she just screams. <laughs> it's so also, cute. <laughs> I also love the Oz immediately. She doesn't even have to wave at Oz. He yeah. already knows her from the moment she walks in he i I just he loves her i mean he just knows her and loves her so much 
There's a thing, there's a something that like I just I it was definitely present throughout my my live tweeting of the series last year, but like he Oz is before okay before he becomes this fuckboy for no reason at the very like, right. at the end of his arc his very long arc he's like the platonic ideal of like a normal chill dude who doesn't mm-hmm. get that ruffled he's like super even keeled he's great for willow because willow kind of freaks out sometimes yeah and he's just like there's not enough of that guy in television like i just don't think yeah. there are enough of those guys because you know like those are generally the guys that i like dating personally like he's just very very much like even keeled even though he, i mean you can tell he's really smart and he's really capable but he, he just doesn't get ruffled and it's yeah. just like such a perfect character for especially for a scene like this to make it comedic like and he doesn't he doesn't take himself too seriously by any yeah, yeah yeah he just yeah. happens to be a werewolf um, or do we know that by now we do yeah yeah yeah. i yeah, think okay. i have also this is totally pointless but black-haired Oz, like, totally does it. Oz, and Oz like, wears all those hair colors really fucking well. <laughs> I don't I, know if I buy the black. I it's like the black. Because you're an emo kid, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, so I, but, like, I, I just... I'm 34, I and I still know, stop in Hot Topic when I go to the mall, so... <laughs> I mean, Hot Topic is legit now. It's, like, fandom central. Right? <laughs> I have so many items from Hot Topic. <laughs> and that's definitely where, where Oz shopped. It's, like, that and, like, super thrift stores. Oh, yeah. But he would never admit to have gone to uh, yeah. Hot Topic. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> um, also, to point out, um, I don't know, I might be being redundant, but I think this is, like, a weird thing that Joss Whedon does where he brings back characters. The vamp, The woman that she bites named Sandy is the woman that... Riley lets feed off him in season five. Oh man, really? Yeah. Ooh, I never knew That's that. Amazing. Which is so weird because they totally didn't need to do that, but it's the same woman. All back. Yeah. It's like an Easter egg for somebody yeah, who's like, really paying attention. Me, hello. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you, obviously. It's because they do that again. I think in season five or six, there's um, a woman in one of Buffy's college classes who keeps raising her hand and getting all the answers. And that actress comes back playing the same character at college. She's the one that Anya curses in Anya's episode in season seven. Oh, wow. So, like, they do, like, weird things like that just some... I feel like either that person was friends with someone in the cast or they just were like, oh, you were really cool. Do you want to come back? Like... Yeah, it seems like it's, like, a very cool... um... I'm sure it has something to do with the personality of the the, the actor yeah. being like you know charming or whatever. But like that's something that has now that like I guess further on down the road that has like become more. Uh, it's just been like a compelling thing to continue bringing yes. back in shows yeah. about shows and movies about uh, high schools because like when you're in high school and you've grown up with the same people your whole life, right. like you would in Sunnydale, you know the same people, right? Like it's like in the um, uh, the movie Super Bad, where they're talking about going to sit over by Steven Glansberg. It's like that <laughs> that same thing where, like, of course those people are still around because they never leave, you know? Yeah, or, like, when the, it's, like, I think it's Dave Franco in the beginning when he's like, oh, and you pissed your pants, and he's like, that was in third yeah, grade, dude, and he's like, no one forgets. Eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> that actually was uh, it was filmed at my high school, so it, I, it's close oh. to my heart. <laughs> the, the, that, that scene in particular, because it was out on the field where we're all forced to play whatever sport they're playing. <laughs> hmm, hmm. But anyway, yeah, I feel like that that's like a really good thing to do with like a teen show. Is yeah, like yeah. those people back. Well, they're it's, also it was really 
in this episode, I noticed, Matthew, I don't think I brought this up. I've put this in my notes every episode I've seen this extra. There is an extra who's in a lot of background scenes. Um, I, Where were they in this one? In the beginning high school scene when they're just walking through... I think before she before Willow says hi to Anya, there is an extra because I always think she's Harmony and it's not. It's like a taller blonde woman. And I have to vaguely, I have to look for her. I didn't notice her, but she, I'm sure they just use the same extras that were there, like right? geographically, like in the yeah. same area. But I think with what you were doing, I mean, as we're all sci-fi people here, there's something to be said, like for world building, you yes. know. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's like. Joss knows that and like he wants to do that in his own way too. like let you know like these are still the same people in Sunnydale like we're getting you know the same people go to the school the same people I mean for a long time Jonathan was kind of like that person who kept getting like (laughs) shouted out randomly before he started getting more and more screen time like that's what I was and eventually created Empire (laughs) and then eventually became like the most successful Buffy alum (laughs) aside from maybe Allison Hannigan because she was on a CBS show also, isn't it weird to think David Boreanaz now has another new show, so he's been working consistently since, yeah. like, the first season of Buffy? Honestly, like, the person like with the least acting talent, I, I don't know. understand how he <laughs> has been. Like, Bones was on longer, like, yeah. than, you know, Probably some both. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought he did. I, I will make the... I'm willing to make the argument that he does pretty well in um in angel in um in angel yes yeah. no i would i would buy that i think on buffy he's not as good but i think on angel he's a lot better i think he's better on angel yeah. i also think and i forget which one of you said this but i also think he's much better as angelus because he has fun yeah yes. so i yeah, don't Devin mind watching I, agree. I don't mind watching david boreanis as angelus because i feel like he's having fun that's fair. Well, it's like it's like you always see those like outtakes or whatever, like the the bloopers or something. When like he looks at the camera, and he's like, "Ooh!" <laughs> he makes this face, and you're just like, "Okay." You realize that this guy, he looks like he's just like a a blob of meat that is on screen, and he's like generically good looking, and yeah. that's why he gets all these parts. But it's like but he's you, also you know, yeah. yeah. And like, have you seen that episode? Have you guys seen that episode of of BoJack Horseman that's like all about his house? No. Okay, I've never so watched it. Yeah, but I really, I've heard that it's... Actually, Devin, I think you were the yeah, one. Yeah, I think we discussed it. But it was just like, <laughs> I think to me, that like signals... I don't know if it was just because he's like that character, that guy, and he just like, they had to get permission to use his name or what. But like, that seems like the reason that he has succeeded. That he he is that like, that generic white guy who is actually really funny. Or actually really fun mm-hmm. to be around in some way. Wait, is David Boreanaz... In Bojack Horseman, I don't. I can't remember if he's actually in the episode, but like Todd, the the like Bojack's deadbeat best friend, mm-hmm. um, he's kind of he ends up crashing at this place that ends up being David Boreanaz's oh. house. Or no, it's no. It's, I think people think it's David Boreanaz's house, and he he encourages their belief because they're okay. in Hollywood. Okay. It's like a, right. like okay. a tour or whatever. But he like pastes their their his face all over the place. And so like he might actually end up showing up. I can't remember, but yeah. So he's just that guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a thing that I wanted to bring up is the idea of parallel worlds, because it doesn't make sense that Willow goes back to her world because her world shouldn't exist. 
Yep. Well, she right. dies immediately after she goes back, right? Right, but, like, that, there shouldn't be a world... Like, the whole point of the wish is that Giles undoes that world. Yeah, yeah, but here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you're, talking about, you're talking about quantum physics, right? Like, or like <laughs> just multiple universes. They all exist at the same time. We're obviously in the wrong timeline, uh, but it wouldn't have, it would have existed even if we were on the right timeline and That's everything fair. was not That's terrible. Fair. Did I already... I think... Continue. Go ahead. No, you don't. I was going to say, I think that, like, obviously the show doesn't have a consistent theory when it comes to universes, but I think that, like, the idea is that it's, like, maybe supposed to be some temporal world, but and, like, it's, like, only exists fleetingly and that somehow Willow is able to get to get into it, you know? And, and this is obviously also the beginning of, like, Willow's spells going awry. Um, yeah, but I, yeah. I think that it is supposed to be, like, she just somehow, it, like, oh, it's a world that existed or exists like i don't know in some kind of temporal circle i don't i don't really know what it, what it's going at but it's definitely like they i don't if, if she went back in time because the necklace doesn't exist either right the necklace was yeah, smashed and she's yeah. trying to get something that doesn't exist so really i think the spell is hopping both world and time mm-hmm. sure yeah. yeah that's fair um and i don't know if and i, I, saw- I but, no continue <laughs> oh no 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 go ahead i was gonna say and also i just wanted to bring up did I say this already? Do you guys think Vamp Willow would have worked if she stayed around? No. 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 Well, the thing is, is that like she would be so she would be so constrained by the by the constraints that regular Willow. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she. I mean, there there are just so many things that people expect of Willow and the way the world is in that in that timeline like that willow would do something crazy and get killed That's or right. like you know yeah. what i mean she would do something horrible and kill somebody that was really important to them and it would just seem like a plot device like oh great okay yeah i i think she's good as like a writer's device to make willow see parts of herself but i don't see her as having any good way to move on in this in this world like i think she has to die in order to be effective that's yeah, fair. that was that was what I was gonna um, what I was gonna say. Like, I think it's significant that uh, she gets staked like um, Im- immediately upon returning to her world because, like you said, Matthew, like she's she's uh, more than anything, she's a device. She's a she exists long enough for Willow to sort of to come to some some realizations about herself and um you know and what her potential is uh, and then you know and then that's it um and, and also um i don't know i think and i think we're also supposed to feel a little sad about it too you know yeah. i i mean i i always do I'm yeah like, oh well <laughs> <laughs> like right you do feel a little just like a, i mean clearly she's evil and she's a vampire but like you yeah. feel like a, oh yeah yeah but she's still there's she's still a part of willow and yeah you know it just takes a little bit longer to get to that version of willow and it takes her like ripping the skin off of a person (laughs) (laughs) another time when she decided she was bored now yeah exactly fuck it had it coming hey he really Um, fucking oh my god i can oh warren (laughs) but if i ever saw that actor in public i would punch him spit on him oh my god really (laughs) wait i have seen him in public do you know him and amber benson dated what wait yes i did i did know that i did know that so weird she's so too good for him 
But maybe, but maybe he's Tara woke. and his Amber Benson. <laughs> maybe he's actually woke because Amber Benson seems cool as shit. Like she, she's just she has no interest in the fandom. She just writes novels about witches now. She, but she's also like really chill. I interviewed her yeah. once, and she was just like so chill and so sweet. And like my recorder wasn't working; it like ended up being dead. And I was just like sweating, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." Oh my, she was like, "It's okay, take your time, no big deal." Like super nice but yeah it's so weird that they dated in real life i I told my mother that recently and she was like she dated the man that killed her oh my god (laughs) she went back to her abuser (laughs) i was like well mom you know she's not actually a lesbian she's not a witch and he didn't kill her so (laughs) she i mean she's become i'm trying to think like what she she lives in this area in the area that i live um i'm like in the silver lake echo park area and like her books are now sold at the there's this coffee shop slash used bookstore. Actually, they have they have new new stuff too, but only like a select amount. Mm. And they sell her book, oh, and cute. they're like these witches. I think it's like the witches of Echo Park. Yeah, something like called. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like she you know she just seems like she's just a normal person who, if you're dating the guy who played the worst man <laughs> on the planet, like. <laughs> I think that he's probably a cool dude in real life. Yeah, but he's probably nice. Yeah, <laughs> like who knows? I mean, I would love for him to uh, to prove this. <laughs> but... You should bring him on uh, your show. Yeah, you really should. I would. I would listen. That is a I thing we are going to try to do. <laughs> Check him down. Um, but okay, so how would we grade this episode, Matthew? Start with you. I, so I'm not as gaga over this episode as a lot of people are. I think that it does a lot of cool stuff. Um, so I'm going to give it a B plus. Oh. Devin? Wow. I give it an A minus just because I, I turned it on today to review it and I was like, oh, yeah, it's this one. <laughs> I think that like the, uh, Buffy is one of the few shows or the few fandoms that like refers to episodes by their title. Yeah, right. Um, very casually in conversation and I wasn't ready for that when I first watched it. Um, and I was really relieved that it was this one because I was like, Oh man, there's something else. There's another one. This one is so perfect. It's so well. I mean, it's, it's, Joss Whedon written and directed so it makes yeah. sense that's actually really um, funny that you say that because lost and Veronica Mars are my like other two favorite shows. Yes! And yes. I, I really couldn't, like, I I know the episodes that are my favorites, but, like, I couldn't tell you the names of, like, half the episodes of any of those shows. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, it's, like, it's the episode where. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel, yeah, I mean, how, like, how would you grade this episode? Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> I think I would also give it an A-. minus. I think it's, uh, you know, it's really, really excellent um, in terms of character development for Willow. I think it tells us some uh, really important things about her and it does so uh, in a fascinating way by sort of, you know, forcing her to encounter her id-driven self. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, but there are some, I guess, sort of slower moments for me. So mm-hmm. that, that's what keeps me from, from giving it the full full a i mean it's no it's no the body which is obviously the all-time a plus right but that's not an episode i ever want to watch like i'm never like let me put that on yeah but it's like the one the one that i would be like that's the most 
shockingly good episode of television yes. I've ever seen. Yes. So this is like, yeah, you'd be like, this is a really good episode that I'd watch at any time. Yes. But like, it's not like this world is, defining. This for me. is an episode that I go back to as background because there's like, you know, not too much plot, but it's still enjoyable yeah. and it's funny. So for me, I give it um, a straight A because it's one of my favorites. But also, you're right, it does lack like any emotional whatever. And it's just like, you know, silly fluff, but I think it's really good. Yes. Silly fluff. Correct. Um, yeah, that's just like a couple percentage points, you know? It's like yeah. the 93 versus the 95. Exactly. So it's still good range. <laughs> and sure. It the, and it sets the stage for a lot of emotional gravitas. Yes. I mean, yes. you need it. It's just, but yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Rachel and Devin. Um, oh, it was thank our you. pleasure, man. Yeah. I enjoyed this. Bring us yeah, back. This is so much fun. Yeah. I'm going to add you oh. to our spreadsheet of guests to have back <laughs> on. Um, Yay, I'm the spreadsheet. <laughs> um, and if you want to follow our podcast on Twitter, you can follow us at SlayerFestX98. And if you want to follow Matthew on Twitter, you can follow him at Matthew Rodriguez. One T, a G, and a Z. And if you want to follow Ian, you can follow him at Ian X Carlos. And Rachel, uh, let's do Rachel first. I only said Rachel first again because she's the first one on my Skype. <laughs> Sorry. The call first. I understand. <laughs> I'm not showing preferences. I swear. More important. It's fine. <laughs> well, let's just switch it up just so that people don't think I hate them. Devin, <laughs> how can people tweet you? Uh, my it's, my my handle is Dynamo Fire, like the two words Dynamo and then Fire. <laughs> Awesome. And, and I am our Verona Cody. So R-V as in Virginia, um, B-O-R-O-N-A, and then Cody, C-O-T-E. Right. No underscores or anything. Just, just a lot of Perfect. Yeah. And thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys again next week. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye.